thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. We just had a... uh... A false start Mishap. there with me uh, forgetting how to coherently Speak. form words in my mouth. Punch drunk. This this second attempt is going much better. Are you well today? I'm well. How are you? I'm quite well. Are you sure? Are you sure you're well? Yes, I'm well. Yes, That's fantastic. I'm not. I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't tell you if you're well or not. But I'm glad to hear that you are. That you are indeed well. We're uh, <laughs> we're focusing on a game. Today, are we? it comes from. No, we, are. Um, we don't often do that, but uh, we thought we'd make we an don't exception often today. Focus. So yeah, we usually focus on. Um, we we don't focus. We don't focus on anything. Um, but yeah, we're focusing on a game today from one of the longest running video game series that there is, and it hasn't actually appeared in the Metacritic Top 100 list. Some people might find that surprising. Other people might not. But today we're going to be focusing on Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. So, a bit of an interesting one, because this is effectively two games in one. So, the Sonic games were developed by Sonic Team, um, and anyone knows classic Sonic knows that these games came out in the early to mid-90s. So, there were two releases. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was released in February 1994, followed by an additional add-on for the Sega Genesis slash uh, Mega Drive in October 1994 with the addition of the And Knuckles section. There are a few different versions of this game, but I don't think this is a first, but it's the first time it's happened in quite a while. This game isn't featured on Metacritic. Um, There are re-releases of this game that are featured on Metacritic from 2009 uh, and a few other editions where they're included in bundles but i didn't want to use those as the basis of the reviews because i want this to be a kind of discussion of the the the, game at the time yes i think so so as best we can yes as as, as best that we can did you find anything from critics not from not from the time no um if i'd have dug a little bit deeper maybe i would have done but i was primarily looking on on Metacritic and this game I know back in 1994 was received particularly well um, and it's the the final piece to the original Sonic trilogy um, I suppose back from back then but um, like I said this game originally came out for the, the Sega Mega Drive if you're in the, the UK or Europe or the Sega Genesis if you are in North America I don't know what they called the the Sega Genesis or or whatever in Japan. Um, I'm not sure which naming system they went with. But yes, so as I mentioned a moment ago, there are a lot of different versions of this game that have come out over the years within, you know, different Sega classic collections or, or, or Sonic um, game bundles. So where did you play Sonic 3 and Knuckles? At your recommendation, I bought Sonic Origins for the princely sum of, uh, what was it, 28, 25, 25, yeah, that's it. Our farmer's in, it's about 25, I think. 
Correct. Um, and yeah, played it on the Switch. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why did you play it? Yeah, it's an ideal game for Switch. I think I, I, I was the same. So, I've I've still got my my hard copy of Sonic Three because uh, I do have a Mega uh, a Mega Drive that I bought a few years ago, and I think I've got Sonic Two in a, in its original box, and I've got Sonic Three as well, but I don't have the um, the and Knuckles section. So, you did you have a Sega growing up? Um, the only Sega I had growing up was the Game Gear. Right, the handheld. <laughs> so that, yeah, so that was the extent of my um, my Sega experience um, until I until that that generation where Sega started releasing games on the PS2, GameCube, mm. Xbox, and then I went back and, and bought a Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, I like Sega. I think they've made some very very good games over the years. Yeah, Sega's a funny one, and we'll we'll come on to kind of a bit of an overarching theme of Sega a little bit later. Um, this game was... I mean, we can kind of touch on it a little bit now, I suppose, but back in the early 90s, it was before before Sony were in the gaming market because the original PlayStation released, I think um, it was 95, or it might have been 94. I think it was 95, though, the original PlayStation came out. And really threw the doors open in terms of what you... Might I, before we proceed, Mm. um, might I suggest if you go on Wikipedia, there is a reception section for Sonic and Knuckles. Um, Maybe just draw on a few of those because they kind of coincide with what you're saying. But I think it just gives a bit of grounding to the episode. For me or for the listener? Just for the listener. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's it's worth looking up because this game's got a lot of history behind it, I think. Um, and really, Sonic is tied in with the history of Sega because Sonic became the Sega mascot when they, they struggled to find one in the early 90s, uh, particularly to go up against Mario. But before the PlayStation came out, the two big players in the console market were Sega and Nintendo. And... I can't remember the name of the Sega that was out before the Genesis slash um, Mega Drive, um, but there was one out before that that was kind of in line with the um, with the NES, and then the the Mega Drive was the Sega answer to the the Super NES, I suppose, sixteen bit. So Sega, as a console developer, a really funny company because. I think that they were their own worst enemy. Um, and you've got a Dreamcast, and I know that you rate the Dreamcast quite highly, don't you? Um, yeah. And what Sega did was... What Nintendon't. That's right. Sega does what Nintendon't. The very famous uh, the very famous advert from the time. Um, but what Sega did was they released the Mega Drive, etc. And then to kind of go up against the PlayStation 1, they released the Sega Saturn, which was a disc-based console. But it didn't really do well, and they didn't give it enough of a chance. And they released it, I think, quite late on, until they effectively pulled the plug on it relatively early so they could put all their focus on the Dreamcast, which came out, I think, a bit before the PS2. But 
Yeah, two thousand or nineteen, maybe may nineteen. I think it was ninety nine. Dreamcast. That the Dreamcast yeah. came out, and the PS two was two thousand one, wasn't it? I think so. It had. I think it was two thousand. The PS two oh, was it end end of two thousand. So and yeah, they they kind of released the Saturn as its own thing, and then it just kind of died, and then they've put all their focus on the Dreamcast, but they didn't really know what they were doing. I don't think, and they didn't support it for long enough, and then the the the. the the Dreamcast was the last console, I suppose, that, that Sega developed, and then they just became um, uh, kind of a producer, didn't they, of, of video games, which is a shame because Sega's got so much history. But the reason that I wanted to t- touch on the consoles is that at the time they were trying to beat Nintendo in terms of what their consoles were capable of, and the Sega really became this weird little life support system of its own, the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis. I'm going to call it the Mega Drive just for the just for ease in this episode. But they started releasing kind of lock-on technology for the for the Mega Drive. And is this stuff that you're aware of, like the lock-on stuff? Um, elaborate a bit. So the the Sega Mega Drive was a top-loading cartridge um, console, very similar. to... Oh yeah, I do know what you mean, like the 32X and stuff like that. Yes. So. Yeah. Sega, instead of releasing new consoles ahead of the Saturn to keep up with the the market, they just released these little add-on things. So instead of inserting a games console into the top loading section of the console, they added like a it's like an add-on, I suppose, that was a secondary cartridge slot that increased the output of the games. And I think you could like stack maybe two or three on top of each other to make it a more powerful console. And that's where Sonic and Knuckles came in. And the interesting thing with these add-ons and these cartridges and, and whatnot is that you could kind of use it to add different things into different games. So Sonic 3 and Knuckles, like we say, came out in October 94. But you could use the Knuckles cartridge to play Sonic 2. And you could go back and play a game that came out before even Knuckles was a thing. Uh, to people who don't know who Knuckles is, we'll come on to it, but he's a character in the Sonic franchise. And you could play as Knuckles in Sonic 2, which you you couldn't do before the, these add-on things were a thing. And, you know, th- th- there were just some very weird but cool things that, that Sega were doing at the time to try and keep up. And obviously it all went a little bit pear-shaped and a bit wrong. But it's just such an interesting period of game history. The not, not unprecedented as well. So um, the Super Nintendo did the thing with the um, Star Fox cartridges, cartridges where they, I can't remember what the technology was called, but basically they added something to the cartridges themselves right. and it allowed um, 3D Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Then you had Nintendo 64... And the famous the, uh, N64 D- disk drive. Yeah, the disk drive, which um, only released in Japan in the end, I believe. Yeah. And in very limited numbers. Then you had things like the RAM pack, that, um, the expansion pack that came with the Nintendo 64. So, yeah, it, it seemed to be more of a thing then um, with these additions to consoles. And... Before they could just do software updates via the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But it's interesting because they're they're sort of the equivalent of the pro console nowadays because they're adding yeah. um, power 
to a console that's already on the market. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting times. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to kind of touch on it a little bit just because we've not really spoken too much about Sega on this podcast. And I think that they're, they're such a big part. We talked about them a little bit in the um, NFL 2K episodes and some of the yeah. Soul Calibur, well, the, the Soul Calibur episode and a couple of odd episodes where they were Dreamcast games originally. Um, but yes. But there hasn't been that much inclusion of Sega, has there on the No, there hasn't, really? no. It's a uh, bit, we, we, bit which is underrepresented. Yeah, and I think that particularly for particularly for me, but also for you, maybe from more of a like a standby point because you you're more of a Nintendo kid yourself. But the Sega, the early Sega consoles, the Sega Mega Drive, was part of my formative video game memory, and I'll come on to that in a moment. But what's your history with um, Sonic Three and Knuckles, um, or Sonic Three? I think I, I think I went into this briefly in the last episode. I think we we talked about this, and um, I said I had a vague memory of playing a two D Sonic, but mm. not quite sure which one it is. I, I believe it was Sonic Two, um, yeah. But I, I, having just replayed Sonic Three and Knuckles, I didn't have any recollection of the levels or anything like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Sonic series, my introduction to Sonic as a character was. Saturday morning TV, mm. um, as with lots of 90s kids. And on the Game Gear, I had this tennis game, and for some reason, Sonic was the umpire, or, or the, yeah, the umpire uh, in that game, and would just um, watch on as you play tennis. Um, first big mem- memorable Sonic game that I can recall was... Um, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle yeah. on the GameCube when it, well, it came out on the Dreamcast originally but it came to the GameCube afterwards and when the GameCube had just come out this game um, was on it and I remember playing around a friend's house and it was amazing sp- spending a long time it, it was amazing it's not aged tremendously no, well. do you remember do you remember we played, we played it at uni. university and yeah. I was playing the the levels where you're the pyramids. Uh, digging for treasure and it was yes. it was really aggravating but it's, um, it's quite painful isn't it yeah it's not aged well because of the camera and a couple of other things but yeah at the time they were they were great um, well i'm i'm gonna follow up that question because it kind of leads into my history with with it but what was the first video game that you ever played if you can remember um it was it would either be Super Mario uh, Land 1 on the Game Boy. Yeah, that um, was one of my early ones as well. Link's Awakening on the Game Boy or mm. Tetris on the Game Boy. It would be one of those three. Okay, so the very first game that I have memory of playing is Sonic uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. So the, 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 very, the very first Sonic game on the, on the Sega. So, rightly or wrongly, there aren't any Sonic games on the top 100 list. And... Well, the list arguments... skews a bit more modern than that era, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know the the more recent Sonic games are very, very varied. I think you can split Sonic into two sections: classic Sonic and good and bad post two thousand Sonic. I think, and in the post two thousand era, there have been some relatively decent Sonic games, but for me, it's the, the Sonic games are. They hold a really special place for me because 
and it's probably similar to yourself with like some of the Mario games, like Mario sixty four, perhaps. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Um, as I said, I'm not huge on Mario. I like Mario, but I don't love Mario. Zelda, yes, I think. Yeah, Zelda. Better. Okay, yeah, that, that that's probably a better example. I my 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 feelings for the Sonic franchise are probably quite similar to your feelings on the Zelda franchise. We can both accept that there are good games and there are a, a few not so good games within, Bags. yeah, within within those franchises. But I think for for both of us, respectively, for Zelda and for Sonic, they both hold very special places in our kind of, I suppose, our 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 video game career, for lack of a better phrase. They're they're part of why we got into video games a bit, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's yeah. almost like um, if the things that you like form part of your personality, which for, mm-hmm. I think, everyone, yeah, they certainly do. Um, this is why we look for reinforcement in the things that we like and why we can't cope when someone says the things that we like are bad. Um mm they become part of your personality, part of your um, being. So, yeah, completely understand that. And that's that's how I feel about the Sonic franchise. And obviously we're talking about Sonic 3 here. We're not talking about the original Sonic. And I've got very, very fond memories of the first Sonic game. I've also got very fond memories, if not fonder memories, of Sonic 2. And then Sonic 3 um, is there as well. And Sonic 3 is the one that I probably have the least experience with but i know from an overall standpoint that it's classified as the best of the three no that's um, interesting because of the things that it brought to the table and that isn't to say that because i like sonic 2 or, or the original sonic better that i think that they're better game games than sonic 3 because i think i can accept that this is so, the so why did you pick sonic. did you pick sonic 3 because it was considered the best, the best of game those. yeah okay and 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 I, I really like this game as well because of the inclusion of you know new um, new mechanics and the fact that you've got knuckles in there as well as well as the weird um, you know like life support system that you needed to hook your Sega up to to play it. Um, but I, I, I wanted to kind of touch on that as a whole series, so it's a bit of a longer introduction than usual. Um, but like I say, this is the first time we've got to talk about this series on the list. Um, so I'm kind of using using it as a uh, an opportunity Platform. to touch on a few other bits as well. Um, so anyone that knows the Sonic games, the classic Sonic games anyway, knows that there isn't too much to them. They're side-scrolling, colourful platformers. But this game does have a plot, although it is very basic. Do you um, do you want to talk a little bit about the plot if you can? <laughs> um. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik, because I refuse to call him Dr. Eggman. I agree, his name is Dr. Robotnik. Um, he convinces Knuckles that Sonic is evil and doing bad things, and then mm-hmm. Sonic, uh, then Knuckles and Dr. Robotnik team up, and basically the game is you travelling through the levels and having obstructions placed in your path by Robotnik and Knuckles, and then eventually... Um, getting to both of them and then Knuckles realises that you are on the good side and teams up with Sonic um, and then you take down Dr. Robotnik and that's basically yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, 
Sonic 3 starts where Sonic 2 ends with um, Sonic having destroyed the uh, the aptly named Death Egg at the end of Sonic 2 um, and Robotnik finds Knuckles who Knuckles is the keeper of the Chaos Emeralds and the Chaos Emeralds are these sacred special items within the Sonic universe. Um, he finds, like you say, finds Knuckles and convinces him that Sonic is out to get the Emeralds and do evil evil things um and he tells knuckles that to keep to get him to keep sonic busy while he rebuilds the death egg until you know knuckles realizes that sonic is um is on the good side and that he's been hoodwinked by robotnik uh, and there there are two separate cam- campaigns in this game there's the sonic and tails campaign and then there's the knuckles campaign and they run pretty much in tandem with each other but they are slightly different um so as you go through the game as Sonic and Tails, you're fighting Robotnik uh, at the end of every zone, uh, mostly other than a few of his little creations here and there. Whereas when you're playing as Knuckles, you're not fighting Robotnik at the end of each zone. You're fighting... Um, it's like a robot. I think it's called Robot Eggman or Robot Robotnik or something like that. But he, they're slightly different. Same levels, same layout, slightly different paths, slightly different bosses. Um, and, the, and the game... Game ends with with Sonic and or Knuckles uh, defeating Robotnik and restoring the Chaos Emeralds. So, like I said, this is this is a two D platforming game from the nineties, of which a lot of my games are platformers from the nineties. We've we've discovered in um, in these lists. Yes, trying to trying to <laughs> trying to cause me pain. Yes, that's right. Wait until we get to those three D platformers like Crash Bandicoot. You're going to enjoy that a lot. You've already told me that you're looking forward to that very much, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, the these these um the the game is split up into zones, and there are usually two levels per zone, and each zone is is pretty different. So, do you want to talk about some of your favourite levels that you um that you came across in this game, if you had any? Um, I uh, it's hard to to pick out because there are. Um, I think there are 14, 14 in total. And in my mind, they kind of blend into one another. Um, yeah. I know there are different mechanics in certain ones. So there mm-hmm. are things that um, the game asks you to do in certain levels that aren't in other levels. There's one which was, I don't And also they're pretty abstract. So sometimes they're hard to describe. It's not like um, Green Hill Zone. It's... The, some of them are a bit weird mm-hmm. and there's one that's a bit circusy um carnival night oh that's the one yeah that that was quite cool um but yeah the, the, I, I, I find i find it hard to distinguish between them to be honest mm. well controversially um carnival night is my least favorite level in the game okay um it's the level where i had the most problems the the, the thing the thing that's, that Sonic games have, um, I'm talking classic Sonic here, kind of 2D Sonic, is, and it's something that Nerd Cube said. Um, for anyone that's listened to the podcast a long time, Nerd Cube's a, a YouTuber that I, I used to watch a fair bit. He said that people think that the Sonic games are about speed, and they're not. Sonic games are more about momentum than speed. And there are some levels that really marry into that and, you know, let you go wild and 
you know, you can go on these crazy runs where you don't get hit by things and they're designed in a way that lets you build that momentum and keep going. As the as the sonic phrase is, gotta go fast. But there are some levels that really stop you from doing that. And Carnival Night Zone I found to be very much of that ilk. Um a lot of, you know, running through areas and then something's coming down and you don't have enough time to stop and you get crushed and you immediately die, which is always frustrating or getting hit by those little kind of um, like ball things um, that kind of send you pinging off into another direction. You know the ones I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, like the yeah the, the pinball sort of Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And the Carnival Night Zone, I think, is an attempt to recreate what Casino Night... I think it's called Casino Night Zone uh, was in Sonic 2, which, in my opinion, is a brilliant level. Um, but I think it kind of just missed the mark. But I get why you liked it because it is a really cool looking level and it's very different from the other levels, isn't it? Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I don't really have much to say. Either. Fair enough. I, I think for me, um, I like the Sky Sanctuary Zone um, quite a lot, but yeah, probably right. the the highlight level for me, and as always, a lot of my feedback is stem from nostalgia, is Mushroom Hill Zone. Um, yeah, that was, that was all right as well. I really like... With, with this game, that, that there'll be the first zone and then the second zone will be the same zone but slightly different. And with like the very first zone, Angel Angel Hill or Angel Island, you're running through a jungle and then the second zone is Robotnik has set everything on fire and it's like this hellscape. Uh, whereas Mushroom Hill zone is you're running through a forest with all these big bouncy mushrooms and then Knuckles comes in, flips the switch, you fly up into the sky and it's almost like immediately turned everything into autumn or, or fall for our American listeners. Um, and the levels differentiate themselves that way, which I think is a really nice touch. So moving on to game... favourite levels? Sorry? Can we do least favourite levels? If you'd like. Mine is uh, Carnival Night Zone. What's your least favourite level? Um, so there's the level just before you do the final boss where everything is um The Death Egg Zone with down. the light bridges. Yeah, everything is yep. upside down and mm-hmm. um, it's got quite a few checkpoints with no rings afterwards where you have to um, do some tasks before you get some rings again and it's just quite unforgiving and I'd say that the, the difficulty spikes in this game are quite prominent. Yes. Yeah, they are. Um I think that's a classic thing of the games of the time, isn't it? You know, we, we've often said that early 90s games, going back to them now, they seem a lot harder than they did when we were kids. Um, and obviously I know you didn't play this one or we don't think that you played this one. But games from back then are hard, man. <laughs> like, and, and well, they, they were, they were still hangovers from the, um, from the arcades where you put money yeah. in and developers didn't necessarily want you to see the end at this point yeah and it's only since then that people put all this time this money into developing a game and they want you to get to the end so they've made it a lot easier we've also become we talked about this over the years on the podcast about how gamers are less patient nowadays than they were absolutely i can hold my hands up and say that absolutely goes for me 100 percent um yeah, game game design and game difficulties changed, and I think it is a lot of it down to patience. Like, can you imagine? And I feel very old saying this, but can you imagine 
like a kid that's, I don't know, maybe 12 years old today that's used to playing games like Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever, yeah. going back to play a game like this, they'd, they'd go mad. Like they'd, they'd, they'd lose their temper because there is, and I, I even struggled with it going back to it this time. These games require a lot of patience and that isn't a trait that I would probably think of when I think of the original Sonic games because it's all about, you know, um, how fast you can get through the level. But a lot of these games is about, a lot of these levels are about waiting around and choosing your moments rather than just smashing through it because if you don't, well, you will die. These days, um, games are readily available. You can play games on your phone, on your tablet, yeah, on yeah. consoles. They're everywhere. And games when we were young felt like a commodity still. So yeah. you had your gaming time and you had had games and they still felt like a novelty. So you would spend... Everyone from the 90s who played games, they've got that story of that game that they spent uh, playing the same levels over and over again, trying to get past a certain bit. Guys weren't around at the time. You couldn't just go onto the internet and look up a walkthrough. You were stuck until someone told you what to do or you Mm. never got any further. That's not really a thing these days. So the way that we um, consumed games back then is completely different to the way that games are consumed now. Yeah, I think back then games were games, weren't they? Whereas now there's no way that games are content and everything is content-based now. And it sounds the same, but it really isn't. Um, and, you know, times change, don't they? And I, I, I imagine that people that are 10 years older than us that played, you know, games in the, the early to, to mid-80s would, would probably push back on us and say, oh, you guys yeah, haven't been able course. to cope with the games that we were playing like um like asteroid or whatever you know they're, they're, they're very different and <laughs> pong and pong yeah i mean I, I've, I've said it before um that every generation of gamers think that the the video games or the era that they grew up playing video games in in their you know late early childhood years or their early teenage years is yeah, the golden I think age teenage. of video games yeah um you know i imagine there are kids that of growing up playing games like Fortnite that will say, oh, this is the golden age of gaming. Where I'm quite glad, though. I don't know about you, but I'm quite glad that games aren't like that anymore. I, Me, as a 33-year-old with other things in my life that I have to prioritise and do and um, things demanding my time, yeah. um, I, I can't dedicate the same amount of time to games as I once could. And yeah. I still probably play games a lot more than other people. You play um, you play games a lot more than I do. Yeah, I, I, so when I'm when I'm not doing games for the list, I'm usually playing another game on the side at least. And uh, yeah, it's um, I, I couldn't. I I think it'd be very frustrating if all games were like that still. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I wouldn't play games now if that were the case. I mean, I, I barely play games these days anyway, other than what we do for the podcast, unless there's something coming out that I'm looking forward to. Um, or unless it's a casual You like to game. dabble a bit. I'd, I'd describe you as a dabbler, but then um, you, mm. we do obviously play games for the podcast on yeah, the side. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, if, if we didn't do the podcast, I'd still have all the consoles that I've got, but I probably wouldn't turn them on as much as I do now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a bit of a tangent there, but I think it's interesting to kind of bring up the, the 90s era occasionally. It, it feels nice and cosy to talk about <laughs> those days. Um so moving on to, to gameplay as king, uh, the first question is, do you think that Sonic 3 and Knuckles is fun? 
I find this a, a hard question to answer, harder than it probably should be. Mm. Um, it's okay when when you've got that momentum and you're flying through levels, um, but when you start to hit roadblocks and the game starts to spike, it's very frustrating. Um, in in that way, in 2023, I feel like this game is its own worst enemy. But when you get a smooth run and you're doing well, it's Such quite fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I I felt the same running through it this time. I I I I think overall this game is fun, um, but there'd be times where I'd be playing this over the past week or so, where particularly in Carnival Night Zone, where I would be going through. I hadn't hit a checkpoint for a while, and then I'd get crushed by something. Which is uh, in in the Sonic games, you've kind of got three hits if you've got a shield. So if you've got a shield, you can take a hit. Then if you take another hit, you take all of your, uh, you lose all your rings, which is the collectibles. And then if you take another hit from there, then you die. But there are some instances where you can get crushed by something and it is an immediate death. And particularly in the Carnival Night Zone, that happened to me quite a few times. Yeah. And it would happen maybe twice. And I'd be like, okay, I'm done. And I'd just turn the console off. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not playing it anymore. And I mean, back then, the Sega didn't have a save function. So... It was the case that whenever I played the Sonic games back then, you start again. Um, yeah, you know, I can't think of anything uh, anything worse than doing this game in a run. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I'd struggle to go back to that now. Um, but yeah, this game is fun overall. Um, now I know that you you completed the game with Sonic and Tails. And I think you dabbled a little bit with with playing as Knuckles. Yeah. And I don't think there's a question here in terms of did you have a favourite move or what was your favourite thing to do? Because this is a platformer and I could ask you what your favourite shield um, level up was or whatever. But I think the question here is who was your favourite character to play as? And again, granted, I know that you had you know, 95% of your experience in this game playing as, as one character rather than the other. Favorite, um, I mean, Knuckles has more moves than Sonic. Mm-hmm. Knuckles can do the glidey thing that he does. He can also climb up walls. Um, so some, uh, so Knuckles was more fun to use. I think that's a, a, quite an easy answer. Um, I think when you are playing as Sonic, the best thing that Sonic does is the momentum and the speed. And when you're in a run like that, that's when it's good. That's when it flies. Um, mm. But it's, it's, I mean, I feel like when you talk about Sonic and you, you're critiquing it, and what I mean by critiquing is, is not necessarily positive or negative, but people always say the same thing. Sonic is great when you're on a roll. Um, and then when those obstructions get in your way, Sonic is not as fun. Um, yeah. I feel like yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just parroting what so many people over many decades have said about Sonic. Yeah, there 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 are three difficulty levels really with um, with this game. There's the normal difficulty, which is playing as Sonic and maybe having Tails with you. The hard route is playing as Knuckles because the gameplay and the the level design is harder as Knuckles. 
and then the easy route is playing as just tails. Did you get to play as tails at all? No, I was curious about it. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I didn't. Playing as tails is pretty much identical to playing as Sonic, except that tails can fly. Um, so it is makes he, the platforming he, bits a bit easier. Does he have the speed? Um, yeah. Um, oh. When when you're in one player, pretty much the same speed. Um, and I mean, tails is whenever I think of two player games, and I mean. I'm I'm an only child, so I, I don't have any siblings. I didn't grow up with with anyone else, uh, but I know that you did. And whenever I think of two player games, and you know, being told to play, like let your brother or your sister have a go, I always think of of so- the Sonic games, Sonic Two and, and Sonic Three, because it was the case that if you plugged in the second controller, you could have a second player that would, as you're playing as Sonic, could play as Tails. That's but, good. Because of because of how much faster Sonic is when you're playing with both characters, Tails, you know the amount of times that Tails would just get like knocked off, off the or die. Yeah, yeah. It, it it still happens when the second player is playing as Tails. Um, so it wasn't always ideal. But whenever I think of two player games and siblings playing together, I always think of the Sonic games and the the younger sibling being stuck with um with playing as Tails. So there was another element that I wanted to touch on as well um, before we get to the question of the week, which is the music. So I feel that the Sonic games have a very particular sound and Sonic was a direct answer to what Nintendo put out with Mario. Mario was Nintendo's mascot. Sonic was Sega's mascot. And particularly in the 90s, there was this big kind of push for things to be really cool or um, like the whole Sonic thing was, oh, Sonic's like radical or whatever, you know. (laughs) It was that really cringy, cool element that people went for that you look at now and you just cringe. Like the Bart Simpson craze of the early 90s. It's sort of when the word cool came to mean cool. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know... Sonic was this bad attitude, weird little hedgehog thing. But I think that even though they're both kid-friendly games, Sonic was there to maybe go more towards older kids or teenagers, perhaps. And I think it shows in the music as well. Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 had really good music, but there is a myth which... Has, has pretty much been confirmed, I think, by Sega. Not officially, officially, but people that worked on the game say, yes, this was the case. Um, this game came out in 1994 and is very heavily rumoured to have had input on the soundtrack from Michael Jackson. And I think that in the Origins collection, so you don't hear it as much on this version of the game that we played, they've removed a lot of those those bits but on the original game, and it's probably worth looking up on YouTube as well, just some of the, uh, the the implementation bits that Michael Jackson put in, where it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely an MJ bit. What what did you think of the music in this game? It's all right. Um, I wouldn't go away and listen to it, but yeah, no. there's some, some bits of music that I thought were pretty good. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, there isn't too much to say on it. It is, it is a platforming game. 
where the music isn't the emphasis. But I think the fact that Sega managed to get someone like Michael Jackson, who in the mid-90s was pretty much at the height of his powers, I guess, um, is quite special. And, I mean, Michael Jackson was tied to the Sega anyway because... um, he had a game come out on the on the Sega Michael Jackson Moonwalker. Yeah. Did, did you ever play that? Ah, uh, no, but I know of it. It very weird. Michael Jackson going around places, um, saving children. Uh, not supposed. To, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, now, now you look back on it, whether or not you believe allegations about Michael Jackson or not, um, the fact that that was the game is very strange. Yes. Um, very strange concept for a game. It is. It is. Um, but you know it's undeniable to say that having someone like Michael Jackson be so linked with your console at that time in history like Michael Jackson was the most famous person probably in the entire world um, in the late 80s and and through uh, the early 90s alongside the Queen alongside the Queen and the band Queen as well Two, two Queens and Michael Jackson um but yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that because um, it is such a big part of, of Sonic 3 lore. So another point that I wanted to just rest on, we've we've kind of touched on it a little bit just then. Nintendo does what... Uh, sorry, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Do you have much memory of the whole Sega versus Nintendo thing from the time or, or looking back on it now? Um, I know, I know quite... A bit about it and this style of console war really i mean it still goes on in uh, amongst certain groups but doesn't exist like it did back then anymore no it doesn't it, it <laughs> when you look back at it now it's very very petty <laughs> yes it's so petty and silly and the fact that this tribal nature still exists it's just strange isn't it it's just so strange it is. Um, the people go to bat for a, a large billion dollar corporation. corporation. Very weird. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, the, the, the whole Sega-Nintendo thing, it was absolutely huge. And those two companies, like, they, they didn't like each other at all. Whereas now, you look at microsoft and so like nintendo just kind of does their own thing now really don't they they, they don't need to compete with anyone because they're nintendo but back it's in the 90s left like them are is there well yeah exactly and you know sony and microsoft are, are, are pretty cordial to each other there's always a few digs here and there um but i mean Except even in the 90s duty. Well, well like you think of in the 90s when um i think i think it was when sega announced the saturn and um, it was at E3, I think, 93 or 94. And Sony even got involved in the, the weird kind of competition thing between them all where Sega came up and they, they just said all this stuff about the Saturn and how great it was. And they did this whole 45-minute presentation on it. And then the Sony guy got up and they prepared this whole thing about the PlayStation. And instead of giving the whole presentation like they planned... They just saw, oh, okay, the Sega Saturn is coming out and it's uh, $150 more than our console. And it's like this iconic moment in game history, I suppose, or development history, where the the Sony representative just got up straight in front of the microphone and I think he said, um, 
two ninety nine, and then walked off, and that was it. You know, the, these these com- contests and these competitions between the companies they were quite personal. And I mean, Nintendo and Sega, and this is a weird little tangent, I suppose. And there's a, there's a whole video on it on YouTube by a channel called The Gaming Historian, which I I recommend people watching if they're interested. Of when um, the ESRB was created because of a game that came out on the the Sega, uh, a game called Night Trap, which oh yeah, you know uh, Sega were doing quite a few things at the time with with full motion video, and it was Launchy. like these girls at a sleepover that were being raided by like these vampire terrorists or something, and these girls were in their pajamas and. The, the the U.S. Senate or the Congress started saying that you know that kind of stuff on video games will lead children to become sex pests or murderers or something. And like Nintendo were or giving evidence sex against... sex pest murderers. Well, sex pest murderers, that's right. Um, but Nintendo, um, the the president of Nintendo of America, a guy called Howard Lincoln, he, um, he was just giving, you know, tons and tons of examples to the Senate about how horrendous Sega were and how Nintendo was such a kid-friendly company and that uh, that Sega were the opposite and you just wouldn't see that these days would you it, it would it just wouldn't happen uh, I don't think so I think all the negative stuff that you talk about it all came to light very recently um in the Activision battle between um Xbox and PlayStation PlayStation still wanted um Call of, Call of Duty. Duty on their mm. system and some of the arguments that I, both sides raised were ridiculous, so so petty, and it, yeah, it was go and have a look at it because it's it's just as bad as it was in the nineties. But it's alive and with, well, then. yeah. But with a twenty twenty three lens on it, it it's ridiculous. And um, PlayStation saying things like um, that. Sony wouldn't survive without Call of Duty and um, Microsoft saying, oh, we're not very good at first party, so uh, we need Call of Duty. It's just uh, it's, it's interesting. utterly ridiculous. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like you and me have just openly said there, that video game wars or console people batting for one console or another, it's stupid. But when I think about it, I've always been a Sony person. And before I was a Sony person, I was a Sega person. And yeah, I've always had Xboxes and I've had Nintendo consoles, but my preference has always been Sony. Whereas I think your preference has always been Nintendo, hasn't it? Um, um not no, not not for some cycles, not for some console generations. I was very much PS2, PS3 mm. um, at that time. I kind of go where I f- feel the experience is best at the yeah. moment. I'm which is why you haven't got a PS5 yet. Yeah, until until I feel that they sort the issues that I have with the 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 physical aspects of the PS5. Mm. Um, I don't feel any <laughs> desire to, and and the lack of games. I don't feel any desire to go over there. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happily um, rolling along with my Series X and my Switch, and I think they've had a bit of a draft of game. Oh, sorry, sorry, a drought of games um, on the ps5 and series x side so uh it's been a very funny start to a console generation it has and we're three years in four years in yeah three years isn't it yeah um 
So moving moving on, as I realise we've um, we've been on a few tangents here, and although this episode is about Sonic, uh, we've uh, we've we've touched on that, but also quite a few other bits and bobs as well. So bringing the the conversation back to Sonic, I mentioned earlier that you can split Sonic into two sections, pre two thousand and post two thousand, and Sonic has been a lot more inconsistent since the turn of the millennium. So. I mean, I, I could list off a load of Sonic games now and you'd probably say that four or five of them are, are absolute dross, they're rubbish. But why do you think that Sonic is so inconsistent when you compare it against what I would put as it, its main competition, which has always been Mario? Why, why do you think that the Sonic games have always been so inconsistent across the board? If you think they've been um, inconsistent, you might disagree with me. I think... Sega has had identity crises and they never know what Sonic should look like. And one thing that Mario did that Sonic struggled with, because as good as Sonic Adventure 2 Battle was and as good as, as, good as Sonic Adventure was, they weren't Mario 64. Sonic didn't transition to 3D very well. And I think it's partly because the hook of Sonic was the speed. Yeah. And the speed doesn't necessarily translate very well to 3D. Um, so they've really struggled with 3D. You've had some good games, but it didn't really sustain itself. Um, and in terms of the 2D stuff, I think it's been a bit more consistent on that side of things. Well, however, the, they've best, not... the best Sonic games that's come out in the last few years was created by a um oh yeah the Sonic, um, the um modder like, mod creator called Stealth and he yeah. created a game in the ilk of the classic Sonic games called Sonic Mania and yes. brilliant <laughs> it's really really good yeah it's I the understand. best Sonic's been for a long time yeah and and so even even those 2D games that have I'd say maintained a more consistent quality they have never reached the highs that they once did. And there's also one of the one of the conversations that, that people have around Sonic in general was is and I don't necessarily agree with this, or I don't agree with this, but people say, oh, well, Sonic was never good in the first place. That's why uh <laughs> Sonic has not aged well. Mm. Um I, while I don't agree with that and having played through this game, I can see that it was a good 90s platformer. I don't think there's any dispute about that. Yeah. Um, it plays nicely and it runs well, has its annoyances, but yeah, it's not. It's certainly not a bad game. Um, so it's it's very difficult to say. I, I think it's an identity thing. I think the fact is Sonic as a character has had to. It's not the, the cool 90s thing anymore. So Sonic, Sonic is very much a, a product of the nineties, isn't it? As a character, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not the cool, the coolness to Nintendo Super Mario anymore because The Last of Us does that, <laughs> or mm. or something else. Gaming has matured, and and actually, when you think about it, Sonic as a character was always part of the mascot era, always appealed to kids, and he's a blue hedgehog. And it's not necessarily 
an easy sell anymore without the quality of the games. Mario is also not an easy sell. He's a, an Italian plumber. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing cool about that, but they've had generally better quality games. Um, I think some of Sega's teams that work there are brilliant and really talented. I don't quite know what Sega looks like behind closed doors, but Nintendo's always had those very high standards, and I'd say that Sega does have great teams, but it's always been a bit more inconsistent. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, really. Uh, and uh, A follow-up question. Tell me what your favourite Sonic game is and what your least favourite Sonic game is or the Sonic game that you think is very bad, because there are bad games. Plenty of them. Um, I do, yeah. I have enough experience with Sonic to answer both of those. And my, I'll, I'll start with my least favorite. A game that came out in the um, the era that I so fondly remember, which is the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. A game called Sonic Heroes oh, no um, with Big the Cat. I thought that was a terrible, terrible game. Um, I quite like Sonic Heroes. I, I, I fully accept that it wasn't a great game, but I've got good memories with that game. <laughs> didn't like that game. Um, Understandable. Yeah. It, it was a weird one. Is it, yeah, is, and it's is not... because it you did feel that you didn't get to play as Big the Cat enough? Um, I wanted Big the Cat Origins. You wanted Big the Blobby Origins is what you wanted. Big the Cat Begins. That's right. That's what you were looking for with his uh, with his friend Froggy. Yeah, I see you th- throw that blobby reference in. Didn't didn't um didn't miss that. No, um, so the game that I actually like the most is not a traditional Sonic game. Um, so Sonic All Star Racing. Um, yeah, it's a kart racer, isn't it? Yeah, not the not the most recent one. It no. was I think it was the first one that kind of came out. Um, came when out the Wii early, was a thing. Early noughties or so. It was PS2, wasn't it? No, no, no. I, I think it came out um, 2010s, early okay. 2010s. Yeah, that's a great little game. A really, really good kart racer with levels from classic Sega series and um, lots of representation from Sega's great characters. Just a really fun kart racer. I had a mm. blast with that game. Um, I'd recommend it. I, I think it holds up as well. Oh, yeah, I've never played that one. Um but I've heard good things. Sonic All Star Racing Transformed, I think it was called. There you go. As, as long as you're not referring to Sonic R, because that game was atrocious. <laughs> I, do, do, I do you even know what that game it. is? Uh, I know a bit about it. I think, yeah, but not not bad, much. Bad. Um, I think for me, the worst Sonic game would probably have to be Sonic 06 because it is literally yeah. unfinished. Um, Famous, famously bad. Yeah, like horrendous. Just weird. Not even bad. Weird because you've got this weird. Again, it's this identity thing of Sonic in fantasy worlds with like yeah. sort of <laughs> Kingdom Hearts characters. It's just weird. Well, that that was supposed to be the big um, Sonic O Six was like the fifteen year anniversary because the first Sonic game came out in ninety one, and it was supposed to be a big celebration of Sonic, and it came out and it was awful. Um, whereas I'd say. My favourite Sonic game, probably Sonic 2 on the Sega. That's Um, that's the famous one, isn't it? That's the one that... Yeah, it's the one that probably most people have played. Um, But if you throw in something post-2000 as well, 
Um, I would probably say Sonic Generations, maybe, that came out in 2012 yeah. or 2011. That um, and Sonic Colors were well received, weren't they? Sonic Colors was well received, but then, then your games came out like Sonic and the Black Knight and Sonic Boom that came out a few years ago. That was just, yeah, inconsistent. Sonic Blobby. Sonic Blobby, Blobby the Hedgehog, and Knuckles. Blobby the um, Cat. That's yeah, Blob the Cat. That's right. That's who it is. Um, so yeah, that, you know that, that an episode's got off the rails when we we put in multiple. Blobby references within a sentence. That's right. Dr. Blobman. Um, so, so uh, yeah. I I think for, for this episode, it was it was an excuse to go and play a classic Sonic game, but also I wanted us to have... To talk about Sonic. Yeah, a broader conversation, because this brings us on to the finale, finale the wrap-up, the season finale. The big finish. The big finish. Um, this brings us on to the, the wrap-up quite, quite nicely. Because, as I mentioned at the start, there are no Sonic games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. And, to be honest with you, I don't know how close a Sonic game is to the Top 100 list. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if they're quite far off. And I think that if games from the early 90s were a little bit better represented in terms of aggregate scores... Well, that's the problem, games, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, Sonic Mania, I think, got a relatively score. I reckon that's score. pretty high. Yeah, um, I'm going to look at look for that in a second i reckon that's high 80s maybe even low 90s let's have a little look shall we sonic mania um 87 um yeah. for the ps4 um that 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 is a great game to be fair brilliant um but yeah so th- there's no there's no sonic inclusion on this list so this was an excuse for us to kind of talk about a game series that is almost as famous as you know the the, the, the big the big ones like Mario and it's Zelda. Tied to gaming history, isn't it? It really is, and and like I say at, at the start of this episode, this is a really special series to me because I've got very clear and vivid memories of playing the original Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega as the first ever video game I played, and I think that's that's a that's a big thing. So, with all that being said, and we are just focusing, maybe there are two questions here. First of all, do you think Sonic? The Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles deserves to be on the list. Um, yeah, I know what the I know what the second question is going to be, um, mm. and that's to do with Sonic representation on the list. Should there be some? And, yeah. and you know my answer already to that, which mm. is yes, there should yeah. be. I just don't know if, it's, if it should it's be this, this game. Yeah. yeah, I found this game. Uh, and bear in mind, I have no nostalgia for this game, and no. I, I realise that this game is very well um, respected and has yeah. a lot of fans. But playing this game for the first time in 2023 <laughs> was at times aggravating, and I was getting very frustrated when I hit the checkpoint before the final boss had no rings, so I had to complete the final boss with no rings without yeah. taking a hit in its three stages. And... I did it, but yeah, I didn't enjoy but it. But at what cost? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe that tarnished my view of the game a bit in terms of just the fact yeah, that stuff that. like that is in there. And 
I, I looked online and then um, people were drawing attention to the fact that the final level has these checkpoints with no rings afterwards where you yeah. just have to get through. And it's it's that... I don't have the patience. I'm not great. I've, I've said this before and your list, I find it daunting because I'm not a big 2D side-scroller person. No. It's just not me. Um, they're not the games that I gravitate towards. So... The fact that I've got to play a load of them, I find it really daunting. This is a game that fits well within that genre, and they're not my natural choice. So I found this game to be a real test of my patience. Um, I can see why people like it. Um, It is well designed. When it works, it works. Um, It's got great graphics and decent sound. And it's aged well, generally speaking, apart from those aggravating bits. So I I get it, but not for me. And I don't know what I'd put in its place. Yeah. But I would would then say someone with more um, knowledge and more experience with the Sonic series would have to put something in its place for me. Um, Mm. Sonic is gaming royalty. Yeah, absolutely deserves a place on the list. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. Um, I mean, you, you, you've seen my list anyway. You know what games are on there, but you'll be, you'll be happy to know that the next three games that I've got coming up are not platformers. Um, you've got a random one in there, and then two RPGs until we get to a very, very, very hard two D platformer, which I know that we're both looking forward to very much. Um, yeah, put it this way. Playing Cuphead makes me look forward to playing Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Have you played Cuphead before? Um, I the only time Briefly, I played it again mine, was when it? you when you bloody made, made me play it. Yes, that was it. Um, well, I've, I've I've got three games before we get to Cuphead anyway, and I'm um, not very good at two D side scrollers. I'm I'm pretty good at three D games, but I'm not very good at two D side scrollers. Well, don't worry. We 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 we've got we've got some other stuff coming up first, and we've got some of your games as well. So that, that's a while off yet. Um, for me, I I would probably I think Sonic Two out of the, the the three original trilogy games, and to be fair, Sonic Spinball would be in there as well. Sonic Spinball isn't very good, but um, I think that's probably up there for me from a nostalgia point of view. Um, but I'd say that probably Sonic Two deserves to be on this list over Sonic Three or Sonic One. Um, and although Sonic 3 is a better game than Sonic 2 I think in my in my opinion anyway um, I'd say that Sonic 2 is probably better suited to be here because a lot of people have got a lot of fonder memories of that game and the levels in that game are so iconic yeah um, like um, Emerald Hill Zone and uh, the Chemical Plant and Casino Night Zone you know there, there, there are some classic isn't it it is, and a, a game that we we actually haven't mentioned while talking about classic Sonic games, and some people probably say that it's outrageous that we haven't done so, is Sonic CD, um, which was designed by the team that created the original Sonic, um, whilst the other team were creating Sonic 2. Um, Sonic CD is a bit of a weird one, um, but still, classic Sonic game. Um, but yeah. I think that probably Sonic 2 should be on this list and agree with you. There definitely should be some inclusion 
of a Sonic game somewhere in this list. And I think it's um, it's a shame that there isn't. But that is the world in which we live. A Sonicless top 100 list world. And it makes me sick. But here we are. Um, so yeah, that, that wraps up Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. I'm glad that we've played it. I, I really enjoyed going back to this game. Um, and I'll probably... Except the, when you were throwing the console out of your window. Except when I was throwing the console and myself out of my own window. Oh, um, wow. But to be fair with the Origins collection, it's got Sonic 1, 2, 3, and I think it's got CD on there as well. So I'll probably um, dip back in here and there to play to play a bit more Sonic. But what have we got coming up next week, please? Next week we've got an Uncharted game. This was a, a late addition to my list. And there's some reasons for putting this in that I will go into probably in the episode itself, as we're already running quite long. Um, so the Uncharted game that I'm having us play next week um, is Uncharted 3. Uh, what's the what's the tagline for Uncharted 3? I don't, don't even Drake's remember. Deception, isn't it? Oh yeah, Drake's Deception. Yeah, that's that's how much I use the tagline for it. Um, yeah, Uncharted Three is is the game that I'm selecting. Um, things you should know before playing: probably yes. don't set your difficulty too high. Um, I'd yeah. say probably around normal would be we just fine. I'm playing through on hard, and I've done some of the other Uncharted games on crushing difficulty. But yeah, this game gets a touch annoying at times on the higher difficulties so i'd say for your for your first experience playing definitely play it on normal and um other than that i don't really yeah just just go in and see what you think i'm quite intrigued to see what you think of this in comparison to uncharted 2 um which is obviously the the golden child of the uncharted series well I've played Uncharted 2, obviously, for the podcast because it's in the top 100, but I've I've also played Uncharted 1. Um, and I had... I've, I've the worst got games in the series. Yeah, I've got gripes with, with both of those games. And I'm I'm keen at some point to play Uncharted 4. Um, well, we're going to play that as part of um, the, as part of the Open Critic yeah, list. Yeah, the Open Critic. And, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll go into why I chose Uncharted 3. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily cut and dry. Um but yeah, I've I've not played Uncharted three before, nor have I played Uncharted four, so it'll be a new one for me. But obviously, experience with the with the franchise, so should be a should be an interesting one before we go back to my weird, uh, weird selection 2D of platformers. games. The, the nah, no no two D platformers. You're all good. Something you're quite relaxed for my next game after that. So you're all good. Um, but yeah, so that that's our episode on Sonic as usual. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it and you know I'd, I'd be really interested if in any comment section where you find this podcast or whether it's on Facebook or Twitter to just leave us a comment saying what your thoughts are on the Sonic games because they are a very polarising set of games which Sonic game would you pick? yes great question I bet it would be Sonic 2 but um yeah, we, we, we appreciate your input as, as as we always do. And as ever, you know, please feel free to share or to to rate us. It, it is greatly appreciated. And as always, you can reach out to us via email at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. I should probably check the inbox as I haven't for a few weeks. Uh, see if uh, see if we've got anything in there. But um, yeah, that's, that's everything from me for this week. I've enjoyed talking about this game. Um, is there anything else from you for today? 
No. Lovely. Well, there we are then. We will uh, we will see you next week for Uncharted 3 then. And in the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.